Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Summer Sessions podcast. Made it to double digits, which is surprising for you as much as it is for me. Uh, we're joined by a big guest, one of the biggest, um, mainly due to his height and not in terms of stature, but Mark Pitnett, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nearly broke the production budget, bring me on, but that's all right. No budget here whatsoever. <laughs> no, uh, nothing for the soft cap to be worried about, of course. Um, Peter, you mentioned before we joined the show that um, you are an avid listener of the show, so you would know what the first question is of every podcast. Definitely. Which is, what is your karaoke song? Yes, well done. <laughs> well done. We definitely didn't set that up beforehand. No, definitely not. Um, for me, it's I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of That's setup. That's exactly what I'm yep. picturing. Oh, that is an iconic scene. Yeah. Well, I am a bit worried because we did ask you this question last year and you said something from The Greatest Showman. So you've really just backtracked on that. Well, I had to mix it up because my favorite movie is still The Greatest Showman. So I couldn't double up on answers. That's okay. That's fair enough. Uh, we won't go into Greatest Showman later on. There's a bit of Harry Potter stuff, which Love I'm that. sure you're not surprised by. Um, but we'll get into that a bit later on. I opened the show calling you Pitto. But you don't really know my pitto that much anymore around around the traps at Icon Park. You know as Brad. Yep. Where did that start? Uh, that was just from the hub. Um, we're playing cards most nights, and then one day Jonesy just started calling me Brad. To be honest, and then being sauce sauce caught hold of it, ran with it hard, and it just caught on. And there's nothing to it other than the fact that it's like Brad Pittnet. Well, I thought it was because I looked like Bradley Cooper. Um, well, it's not that. So is it Brad Pittnet? <laughs> it is Brad Pittnet. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Um, I had to let Ebo know when he came across he needed a nickname because it can only be one Brad. What about the head of footy? He's Lloydy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are you happy with Brad? Very happy. I've had some shockers. So that's a great one. That's a great leading because I was going to ask you what have been some of them because I know one of them and you were very keen to get rid of it as I'm, soon I might, as it- I might let you answer that because I'm not going to give you any material on that. Okay, Gonzo. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Who gave you that one? Uh, I had that before I got here. That was that was my Hawthorne days. No, uh, I can't remember who. I think Newey got hold of that through someone from Hawthorne. Tom Mitchell? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking probably. Um, But no, the first KK that we did here, Paddy Dow actually got me a full gonzo mask that comes over the head, um, completely covers it, full nose. Safe stuff, still got it. (laughs) So Brad, you're happy with? Yeah, going back to Gonzo. Brad. Pitto, Brad, happy with that. Fair enough. Fair enough. What did you get called by uh, the kids on preseason camp? Did you get Brad? Did you get Pitto? Did you get Gonzo? Uh, did you get Mark? I didn't really get anything. It was more a confused look. <laughs> they weren't really sure if I was part of the staff or one of the players, to be honest. What was what was the best question you got? Because I reckon when you're around primary school kids, they can ask some really savage questions. Uh, probably not the best question, but probably the best answer someone gave was they asked us, Ed and I, Ed Kerner and I were sitting next to each other with six other players. We happen to be the oldest players at this school of eight-year-olds. And so they tried to guess who was the oldest and started with me being the oldest. And then they worked out, we got them to guess our, uh, my age and they guessed I was about 31, which is, I thought was insulting until we asked them how old we, they thought Ed was and they said 47. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll take 31 if that's the case. I've got a few silvers, so it's probably fair enough. A few? I'm wearing a hat for a reason. Yep, not surprising. Uh, Ed looks all right at 47. Very good. Moves well for 47. <laughs> it was a big few days. Did you enjoy it? Did, going down to Wodonga? Yeah, loved it. It's always good going back, um, especially country towns um, with the last few years of everything that's gone on. I mean, it hasn't been the best circumstances for anyone, but particularly an area like where we went to the last couple of days, um, it's just really good to get there, give back as much as we can, and it's just always great to get around kids. Haven't spent too much time at home in the last few weeks, considering there's been a pre-season camp up on the Sunshine Coast and then 
the community camp up in Wodonga as well. Um, it was a real real throwback to about three or four years ago where this seemed to be the norm every preseason, but hasn't been able to be the case in the past few years. No, it's, but it's, I mean, it's nice to go on camp. Um, nice if it wasn't as hot as it was a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure you've had someone on since then who's talked about how hard that camp was. Um, but it was, it's good to get away. Uh, last few years, haven't been able to do it as much as we would like to or normally would. But you just you get to know each other that much better. Time spent is something you can't buy, you can't um, fabricate. And like, for instance, myself, I was rooming with Ollie Hollands, who I didn't really know until he got drafted, what, November? So being able to spend a whole week with him, getting to know him, seeing how he lives, um, just be able to chat to him generally outside of the four walls of the footy club makes a world of difference. So you lived with him up on uh, pre-season camp, but yep. then you got to witness him as well and truly the king of Wodonga in the last few days. <laughs> in his element, absolutely ran the show. Went to, we went one of the schools we went to. The first question we got was, I went, actually went to school with Ollie Holland, so what can you tell us? How's he going? Like, we need a running update. So definitely the king of it. King of Wodonga, Ollie Hollands. Who was yep. king of the kids? <sighs> seemed like, I seemed like everyone was enjoying themselves. But uh, was, from, the, was, from the groups I was in, Deadly, Deadly Motlot was very good. Very good. We're playing... Uh, Oh, I can't remember what the game was, but we had ribbons or something coming out of your shorts that you had to grab and whoever had the most of them won. I think everyone started with one and deadly finished about 15 by the end of it. So is that king of the kids or just taking games way too seriously against? I think a bit of both. Yeah. He was, I mean, he does dart around and, you know, lay tackles for a living. So he's sort of darting around and just grabbing these ribbons. It's got a bit of practice. Fair enough. I don't, I don't blame him. Uh, he's a born winner. Let's, let's just leave it at that. On the back of preseason camp, there were a few days off, which was nice for to recover after those grueling sessions up on the Sunshine Coast. Um, I think it was four days off to, to start the week. How flat were you that um, Hogwarts Legacy came out just after the preseason break finished? Very flat. But the biggest issue for me was I don't have a PlayStation 5 at the moment. Oh, really? I sold it a couple of years ago. I've managed to uh, borrow a PlayStation 4, but it doesn't come out till I think April 10th. So that was the best I could do on short notice. Um, short notice, knew it was coming and I was watching a lot of trailers. But I've done, been playing other Harry Potter games on my phone and um, doing a few more quizzes, being on Pottermore a bit more the last couple of weeks. <laughs> That's actually surprising because you've, you've had this date earmarked for a long time. I've been hanging out for it. <laughs> How, talk us through it. We've, we've had a few Star Wars fans on the show. Um, Jacob Weider and Lockie O'Brien have spoken about that, but you are well and truly, um, I, think it's called a, I think it's called a Potterhead. I'll take that. Yep. Now I'm a proud Hufflepuff. Um, I can see probably, that. Probably the only person who's ever pr been proud to be a Hufflepuff. Yep. Um, couldn't couldn't change that to Gryffindor, unfortunately. But no, nah, <laughs> I've got a I've got a little Dumbledore chocolate frog card from when I went to the set in London of where they where they filmed it all. Um, and I think we've got Sirius Black's wand as well at home somewhere. Um, you don't think you've got it somewhere? You've mentioned it constantly, so you definitely. I'm know very where it proud is. of it, but like yep. I can't look like I'm that proud of it. <laughs> um, but nah, so I've got all that. I, I mean, the movies just came out on Netflix. So I'm about to start rewatching them again. I'll probably do that every few months anyway. Uh, I absolutely love it. What makes Mark Pittnet a Hufflepuff? Uh, I don't want to say like a lack of bravery because that's Gryffindor's brave. So that's a bit concerning. <laughs> um, and I'm not an evil person, so I can't be Slytherin. You're I loyal. Think, Let's say you're I loyal. I'm going to go with just like a loyal, good bloke who's just sort of there to do anything for his mate. I feel like that's sort of a Hufflepuff. I like that. You do, and you do stick up, up for your mates as well. I was trying to think of a good Hufflepuff. I think Cedric Digger is a Hufflepuff. So let's yeah. go with that. He was a good bloke. Everyone liked him. Good sportsman too. Very true. Natural. You do stick up for your mates as well. Exactly. There was an incident on a preseason camp, I believe. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So there was the social media clip of, of Paddy Cripps and Maddie Kennedy um, 
two midfield bulls going at it. And that's the one that uh, our recently departed video producer, Michael Barker, captured um, so well. But there were a few with you. And I, I believe, um, was Harry Mackay on the receiving end of maybe a, a verbal tirade from you, but nothing physical? Nah, it was uh, just going in and fly the flag a little bit. He laid a... Then we knew he'd go back in the hole and Harry went, cleaned him up all fairly and which we love from our big key forwards because you want that to happen so the defender Train doesn't the way you sit play. there. Exactly. So we love that, but knew he's on my team. So in my mind, it's my responsibility to go in and fly the flag because if you've got someone who's gutsy enough to put his body on the line, then you need them to feel safe enough to know that you've got, your, you've got their back. So the second they hit the ground, they get hit. You're coming in flying. Um, you'll find that flag so they can do it again with confidence. We asked around the media team before, just asking if they had anything on you, just any dirt for you. And all they said was, he's a gentle giant. You should clearly haven't asked the right people. <laughs> well, I reckon you are. Look at you now. You're quite relaxed. The legs across, the arms across the couch. But when you talk about white line fever, people talk about Sam Walsh and Jack Silvani, but you're, you're one of those who really enjoys that side of things. No, definitely. I, I wouldn't call it white line fever though because I feel like white line fever is a bit uncontrolled. I'm very controlled with mine. I'm able to turn it on and off uh, quite well and something I spend a lot of time on. I do a lot of mental prep around it and I put, it took me a number of years of my career to work out how to do it, but I love the physical side of it. I mean, that's the way I bring the most value is hitting bodies, giving my midfielders time, protecting blokes, just really bringing that physicality. I mean, ironically, the team I watched growing up, I wasn't a Brisbane fan, but my brother was, so I grew up watching the three-peat. So blokes like Jonathan Brown, Vossi, not Finger, he didn't really hit anyone. Um, so definitely not Lukey Power. Strictly um, outside Lukey Power. <laughs> he was outside with some skill, which is not my forte. So I was more the physicality side. So they're the blokes I grew up watching and always wanted to emulate. You mentioned on preseason camp, I think it was maybe the Wednesday session where you said to me you didn't really feel like you were in amongst it all that much. And then you got a few comments from teammates just going, God, it's good to have you back out there. Do you want to uh, go a bit more into detail about that? Uh, that was that was, that was nice. I... Um, I had a I had a probably a ten minute patch where so that was when I really got to start following up and hitting bodies again. I reckon I went fifteen minutes and didn't touch the ball and went, geez, it's probably not ideal. And uh, the feedback I ended up getting from some of the mids was, geez, it was good having you back though because <laughs> I didn't realise I watched the clips back where they had about four or five seconds to make a decision, find a target, and their lives were just so easy because um, I was just coming in and just laying blocks um, and just giving them all the time in the world to hit a kick. And that mids are pretty good, so if you give them that much time, they're going to do something with it. I could rephrase this, but I like this the way I'm framing this question, the best possible way. How much have you enjoyed being back hitting people? <laughs> I, I love it. I find it that hard, especially pre-season. It's a lot of running and I'm not as good a runner as some of these blokes who weigh 80 kilos. So I, I love the physicality side of it. Um, I'm not as extreme as Ed who reckons he loves tackling. So I don't go that far, but I just I love hitting bodies crashing in. That's what I love about football. You mentioned you're not the greatest runner, but you wore some Puma Nitros a few weeks ago and you became the fastest man alive. Fast. Flying. Fast. I'm wearing my black one. That's why I'm sitting in one spot. If I was wearing green, I'd be running around the room. <laughs> I think you enjoyed, you relished that occasion to be front and center on uh, as the, the, cover, the cover boy for Puma. I'm a natural. I mean, usually they put me with Harry and Harry's usually the main, the main substance and I'm the supporting crew to bring a bit of entertainment. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Why not? For now. For now. But- I think after the green Puma Nitro one, like I didn't really get any follow-up from that. So don't know how well I did. Might need to go back to my supporting act for now. I'm sure it's with your manager and they'll, they'll be back shortly. 
that was, I guess, your first foray into into social media this preseason. Um, how's the quest for ten thousand Instagram followers going? <laughs> See, I feel like when you frame it like that, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> nah, well, yeah, this well, is the, your for, chance to give the detail. Nah, for the context, I got some feedback that I I've tried to do some involvement with a charity a couple of years back, and uh, I didn't get anywhere, and I couldn't work out why. I sent a few emails, and they said they'd get back to me, but and then it filtered back to me that I didn't have a big enough social media presence, <laughs> <laughs> which I was a bit flat about. So I'm trying to just get that number up, and I'll be happy so I can actually do some charity work. Well, you generally do ask for just a few flicks here and there just to kind of keep your social media presence Well, I'm, not, I'm not Charlie, I'm not Harry, I'm not Cripper. Apparently, I'm not what the people want. So I've got to give a little prod, make sure I get some material. So sometimes you even um, go for a bit of a run just to make sure that Rose is getting the, cap- the photos on the sidelines? Nah, it's just warming up for drills. Just warming up for drills. It was after you'd finished. I was doing some more running. I was doing a little bit of technique. Had to be fresh. Moving on from that. <laughs> um, going into this season... You've had a bit of an interrupted summer to date, but it's kind of building more and more for you. I guess for the fans out there, give a bit of an update on to where's your body's at and um, yeah, how your preseason's tracking. Yeah, body's going really well. Um, I was here the whole off-season. I had surgery as soon as we finished, which I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, well, I didn't realize a lot of people think I've had surgery twice, which is weird. I didn't actually have surgery in April, um, which could be an interesting thing to clear up. A lot of people reckon I've had it twice. I've only had it the once. Um, had surgery and it ended, stayed the whole way. Um, sort of got running back end of last year and pretty much been very close to full training the last few weeks. So um, hitting everything we need to be, probably a little bit ahead of where we thought I'd be and come along really, really well. So now I'm, I'm doing just about everything. So I'm timing it pretty well in my opinion. Um, but I'm also conscious of the fact it's a long year, so doing everything I can with the bigger picture in mind. We do love preseason cliches on this show, um, talking about who's flying, who's going well, who's bulked up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So for you, as someone who's done a bit of training and then doing more and more now, but had the chance to maybe watch a bit more um, when preseason started, who's who's really impressed you, mate? Who's your, your pick to uh, take it to the next level? Can it be a new player? Of course, it can. Yeah, it's like Ollie Hollands has really stood out for me. You don't know if you heard that. Oh, I'm, I'm, we're tight now. <laughs> we're basically best friends. Um, Does but, he know that? No. Okay. But I'm working on it. Um, but no, he's, he's one for me that since I've come in, uh, he obviously would have trained for a month before I joined full training, but his ability to just outnumber at contests has been unbelievable for such a young kid. Um, obviously good runner, but good runner. He's still got to put on a bit of size, but his ability to get back in the hole – put his body on the line has been something that we're just we're just used to now which is unbelievable for someone who's coming in as an 18 year old um and then i'm trying to think who else has been good everyone's been can i go everyone's been really good yeah, i love that answer everyone's been great they're all hitting their straps everyone's got pbs it's been really positive i've been good <laughs> sort of blanking on individual players and to talk to more people well we'll talk about ollie do you reckon his running ability is more impressive for you considering you've just said running is not your strength i'm still a good runner though okay i'm just not as fast um now what what stands out for me is his ability to back up multiple contests because being the type of player i am i'm reading numbers at a contest to work out the next contest to get to so i can't get to every contest i accept that so i've got to play as smart as i can he's someone who can just about get to every contest and he's smart in reading how to get there where to get there what angle to come in from um, whether he needs to even go once he gets to the contest. So his ability to put pressure on, be a release option when there is pressure on us, 
um, has been really, really stood out. And then his composure coming out with the ball has been really, really impressive. So he's a new blue, Ollie. Yep. But not the newest. We did welcome someone last week. Now... He's not uh, the most recent. He's Come not on. the most recent. Well, you're not meant to know that yet, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was announced yesterday now, considering this will be going out tomorrow, that um, Alex Sincotta <laughs> is the newest Carlton footballer. But last week, there yeah, was... Yeah, good things. <laughs> good applause there, Brad. Um, there was a player last week who got welcomed to the footy club, and he's a ruckman from the Oakley Chargers who enjoys hitting bodies. What that sounds familiar, that sounds familiar to me. What more can you want? It's just, it's in his blood. <laughs> Taking Hudson O'Keefe under your wing after, after that description of himself? Have to, just have to. Oh, I don't know if I can match his hair. That's seriously impressive. <laughs> thoughts on thoughts on Hudson? Obviously, had a had a session last week. Kind of played against him and matched him and all that kind of thing. Um, what's he going to bring? Yeah, I've had a couple of sessions with him, and just he, he competes, and um, which is all you want for a young ruck is someone who competes, wants to learn, is willing to put time and effort into his craft. Um, he's actually surprisingly strong for his size and his age. I think he turned eighteen in December last year, and his like his first initial contest, you can tell as a ruckman sort of how strong you are, where you're strong. And he carries himself quite well. He's quite a strong, however much he weighs. He needs obviously put on a bit more size. Um, but he's not someone you can push around at 18, which I know when I came in at 18, I did get pushed around a lot. So it'll help so much for his development. But he's quite a good athlete as well. So his ability to get around the ground and impact other contests, um, I'm really excited for what he can do. Tell us about something that you coined on social media last year, the Cruiser Academy. Oh, the Cruiser Academy. <laughs> well, it's just when you got someone like Cruz is just... I'm of the view he's one of the best rucks of the last 20 years by a mile. Um, one of, should say. There's been some very good rucks in the last 20 years. Um, so I view it as, you know, we're a pretty tight-knit group under a pretty gun player, now gun coach, and who still comes out and puts a bit of a clinic on when he does do a bit of match play. But, yeah, I like to think we we're all pretty tight. So we'll help welcome Hutto into that group. Um, we welcome Sauce for a little bit as well. So he's a bit of in and out of that group. But, um, yeah, the Cruiser Academy is something to stay. I might need to get some merch out. If anyone wants to buy any Carlton Cruiser Academy merch, let me know. We can Merck, sort that out. Merck mentioned that he's, you mentioned he's a gun coach, but saying that he's just as invested in you on the field as he is off it. Definitely. No, definitely. Cruises across how I'm, how, like how we're feeling, what we're doing week to week, what we're working on, whether we're studying, doing other work experience, um, and making sure that you're getting the balance right as well. He gets the beautiful thing about having someone who's so fresh out of the game is he understands it's a hard game. So he's not coming in going, I expect you to be on every single day. I expect you to be all football because, you know, this is what you're here to do. If you take that approach, you're going to burn out. It's a long year. He gets it, you know, on your day off, make sure. I mean, I was in here, so I was in here during rehab for the entire off season. I was doing some work with Cruz as well. But he was big on if it's once a week, once every two weeks, go to a session at a local gym, go to a running session at a local oval. You need to see something other than the four walls of this club because especially when you're in rehab and you're doing pretty repetitive, boring stuff, it can get very monotonous and you lose the energy and the fun of what we're doing. And if you lose the energy and fun, then you're not going to be able to attack the sessions that we're going to do that are going to be pretty hard. So he's great with that life balance. Take us into the dynamic of the Ruck group because I think you know, there's the four of you now, but there's only ever one, max two spots. Um, but at the end of the day, you are teammates who want to get the best out of each other. Um, how do you make it all work? Well, what's great is we've got a really good relationship. Um, it's something I always thought of it as something like it could be, it's like soccer where often obviously one plays for soccer, but we can also play two, but you've got the approach of, you can either have everyone sort of going, I want the spot and I'm going to go about it my own way. Or you can go, you know what, if we all push to make each other better, the end, end of the day, it's rare that Ruckman play 22 games. You might play 16 to 20, but it's very uncommon. You look at last year's injury list across the league. 
So we're going to need all of us. And it could be all of us in different combinations at different points through the year. And so if we can bring our A game and what we're, so what we're doing at the moment is we will play against each other. And when we do our match simulation, we could have a 10 minutes and then have a break. And I'll give feedback saying, you know, Kongi, I didn't like it when you did this to me. This I found this hard to deal with. And he'll be like, yeah, cool, I like this. And then he'll say the same thing to me. You know, when you did this tactic, it made my life hard. So we're giving that sort of real-time coaching so we can just sort of elevate all of us. Um, So we're we're very close with the relationship, which means that we all want the best for each other, um, which is just a great way to be because at the end of the day, it's whoever's the best out of us will play if we're all healthy. And it's only going to put the club in a better position. You came from Hawthorne, which, um, especially when the sub was around, really religiously followed the, I guess, the two ruck yep. model. Um, it's back for for next year and it's, oh, for this upcoming season and its old incarnation for you. Is that is it a further reason to to have the two rucks in the team? I know it's something that you've always been keen on, but um, does it just even add to add to its merit? Uh, I th- I think that's where football's heading back to. I think two rucks is going to become the norm again. Um, I think be rather than it being a bit of an uncommon thing, I think it'll become much more common. Um, and teams are investing more and more in developing the forward craft of rucks, not just letting them play ruck and then go, we need to find another way for you to get in the team. So being able to develop players earlier in their career so that they can come in as experienced forwards, especially if you're playing a couple of years of EFL, um, rather than doing it at 23, 4, 5, 6 and go, you've never played forward and you're seven years in the league, but we're going to ask you to play full forward now. So... I think that is just the natural progression of the league. So I, I think two Ruckman's going to become probably the new norm. Hudson said he grew up as a Hawthorne supporter and loved watching Ben McAvoy. Mark Pittnett. Were you flat? <laughs> I don't reckon he knows, knows where I was back then. <laughs> Does he know who you are now? <sighs> we'll see. <laughs> I haven't put an A through him yet. <laughs> um, I reckon it's been a stigma amongst Ruckman for decades, generations in, in the AFL landscape that they're not the brightest individuals. Right. Very hard done by. Well, you've got a Bachelor of Business and you're an AFLPA delegate, so you're you're breaking that stigma single handedly. Trying to, that's what that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got my got my commerce degree, finished that. Took me seven years to do my Bachelor of Commerce at Monash, uh, did accounting finance and bit of work experience at PWC and yeah, delegate for the PA and so I look forward to being more involved with them. I just just got on top of that with COTS recently. You mentioned um, the importance of doing things off the field. Um, that that crew spoke to you about, I guess during that 2020 year in the in the hub and all that kind of thing. How important has that been for you, even when you've been rehabbing injuries and and the like, to to have that away from the game to to focus on? Huge. Um, I mean, 2020 in particular probably shaved a year off my uni degree. I went full time for a lot of 2020 um, because we weren't sure if there was going to be a footy season. So I wanted to make sure I maximise what I got out of the year. Um, but I think not just in terms of the balance, but it gives you keeps you humble with. You know, it gets can get monotonous being at a footy club because we're doing the same thing every week and that's what makes us good is doing the same thing consistently. But it's not until you go into the real world and you see what other people are doing from different walks of life that you really get to appreciate what we get to do. And it just allows you and I like to think I come with a fair bit of energy and excitement when I come to the club. So I think well, that really true. helps helps me um, bring that every day. So I think that's a massive part of it and just means you come in fresh. This may sound like a silly question because I reckon the Nobody who plays footy dislikes the game. But Mark Pinnett, why do you love the game? Because you, you really do. Uh, I mean, growing up, I always wanted to be like my brother, who, I an older brother who loves football, knows his football inside and out, wanted to be like him. 
And then the thing I actually like about football the most, I love about football the most, is I love playing with mates. And that's probably part of why I'm so physical on field is I want to protect my mates. And that's what I look forward to the most. So, I mean, for me, one of the best parts of a game for me is when I come to a centre bounce and three of my mates come up to me and go, where do you want to put the ball? And I'll tell them and I can see the trust in their eyes. They go, cool, we trust you to get this done for us. You're going to get it there. We'll get there for you. And then you're going to protect us when it hits the ground. So that's one of my favourite things. Um, but yeah, I love being out there with my mates. Um, football's just a great way to do it. A mate of yours before you arrived at the Carlton Footy Club was a former Oakley Charger, David Cunningham. We ask this question every week. I'm trying to get him on to this show. Brad, what can you tell us about Cunners? Uh, he's a man of many words. <laughs> Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, you might be better off trying to get like a mini version of this podcast to get him on. Maybe like a four minute version. That could be your best bet. I don't think you're going to get much more out of him. I reckon we can try and make it happen. <laughs> you can try. Yeah. Well, I'm not go. sure it'll work, but we can try. But no, nah, he's, uh, he's definitely come out of his shell since I met him at 18 when we were at Oakley together. So don't know much that means to you. He talks more than he did. Um, well, he gives us nothing, but that might be more of a media team thing. <laughs> but no, it gives me a lot. I've known him for that long, and obviously we're next to each other in the locker room. So of course, yep. No, nah, he's just a man who, once you get him going, he's he's just up and about, brings a lot of energy. That's good. That's we haven't heard, we haven't had that answer yet. Well, I can't really be like he doesn't talk because he talks to me. Yep. And being quiet's not always a bad thing. <laughs> being quiet's fine. I wouldn't know about it, and you wouldn't know about it, but it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, we're not quiet people. Right. So we'll finish off then with how this podcast always finishes. Um, which I should know. You should know because you, you've said you listen to every episode, but I'm going to ask you this time. Uh, Brad, I guess, who are your top three sporting influences over the course of course of your life? It can be junior footy. It can be parents' favorite players when you're growing up, um, whoever it might be, your top three. My top three. Uh, I mean, three that I admire, uh, LeBron James. I should do the media record questionnaire yesterday, so I should remember who I wrote. Um, I know LeBron was one of them. I love LeBron. Jonathan Brown's one. Um, Don't to Brownie. Talk, us, talk to us about Brownie. Well, I'm, I still haven't met him. Um, I love Brownie. I haven't met him. He's been at the club before and I walked past him and couldn't get a word out. So I didn't actually say hi to him. You realize your coach actually knows him quite well. I know. Actually, <laughs> we'll talk about that. I can give you one story then. So like I said, I grew up watching the Brisbane three-peat. So when we were on the hub, Lukey Power, I was getting to know him and I told him a story about how this... You know, no one in football rattles me except there's eight to ten blokes from that team who I grew up watching there who I really, really loved watching and I get a bit rattled. And I'd met a few of them over the years, Luke Power being one of them. I actually didn't really speak to him the first three weeks he was at the club. Um, Bossy being another, I first time I met him, I did no talking, which is unusual for me. But I had this conversation with Lukey Power and we walked into the hotel lobby and Justin Lepich was there and he's gone... Is Lepper one of the blokes? I went, yeah. And he goes, sick, let's go meet him. <laughs> Walks over, introduces me, and then leaves me. And I couldn't get a word out. I didn't know what to say, so I ended up just being like, good to meet you. I walked off. <laughs> good to know that you're not overall talking to me then. No, nah, you're fine. Okay, good. You're fine. Um, but yeah, apart from Jonathan Brown, LeBron, uh, I'm not sure, maybe like Tom Brady. Hard. That's a really safe answer. <laughs> Real safe answer. Any non-sporting individuals that have had a big influence on, on you? Uh, Keeping in mind that everybody who has come on this show has mentioned their parents as number one. Yeah, I was so I wouldn't say, want you to not say your parents. So my parents. There we go. My brother. 
You mentioned your brother uh, already, so yeah. Johnny Barker was a massive one for me. Okay. Um, he was huge when I came across from Hawthorne. Really big impact on my ability to transition and be effective when I came in. Jamie Maddox, probably another one from early days. He was TAC for me. He's actually at the Doggies now. Um, he was my midfield coach when I was in under-18s, and he played a big role in me getting drafted. So he's probably another one. That's about seven for a top three, but that's okay. I did, I did push you on it. Parents, family, brother, all sort of one. John Barker. All he's, like, he's like family. <laughs> uh, how'd you go, Brad? Did you enjoy it? I don't know. Am I going to be invited back or are we cutting the podcast? You won't get invited <laughs> back. It's probably more if the podcast survives. Um, Fair enough. it will. So if this is the highest rating episode, then I'm going to be invited back. <laughs> I reckon your mate Sauce might be the top rated episode. That uh, doesn't surprise me. I think a lot of see my name and go, yeah, I'll skip this week. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but that's okay. <laughs> Hopefully that they're not listening to this bit right now. No, we can cut this off. <laughs> 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 thank, <laughs> thank you Brad thanks for having me <laughs> we get out of that surely <laughs>